Welcome to Avatar with Academics. I am Sam Mulberry, and I have never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm Annie Berglund, and I have watched it before. Annie, we are getting really, really close to the end here. We are on to Book One Water, Chapter 17, The Northern Air Temple. We're getting close to the North Pole, too. That's right. You can tell even by the way people are dressed, by the landscape. Um, I loved the episode, The Southern Air Temple. Yes. So I like that it's, we're sort of, because that was episode three, I think, right? And so that, and mm-hmm. this is the third to, no, it's not, this is the fourth to last episode. So, um, yeah, so like, I've, it's it's kind of nice that we have that like kind of bookending of seeing yeah. these two air temples and they're in very different states. Yes. As, as we will see. So let's jump right into this. Uh, the episode opens uh, with the Aang gang sitting with a bunch of other folks around a fire. A lot of other folks, it seems like. Yeah, yeah I kind of was curious what they were all doing there. Yeah, and like, how did they end up there? I mean, so so this is yeah. one of those, you know, this is an episode that doesn't start with them on Appa coming in somewhere. They're already right. somewhere. It almost felt like a truck stop on a, on like... <laughs> yeah. Because everyone's there, and there's this guy who's clearly making a profit off of it. Right, right. I mean, this is definitely, yeah, like like a tourist thing, or people... Pa- it's a place where people pass through. Yeah. Um. So they're sitting around this fire listening to an old man tell a story. Uh, now, everybody's pretty bundled up. So this could be a product of we're getting close to close to the north. I also wondered, like, are some of these Water Tribe people? Yeah. Because the colors don't look like Water Tribe, but the clothing does, the furs, things like that. Right. Hard to distinguish. Yeah, it's hard to tell because we've had Sokka and Katara always wearing furs, and now everyone is because it's cold. Yeah, yeah. Who are you? <laughs> so they're listening to this story, and Sokka looks visibly bored by the story, mm. even though the story seems interesting. Um, maybe Sokka's seen enough in life that it's like uh, stories like this no longer excite me. <laughs> so the story's about a secret group of airwalkers who laugh at gravity and laugh at those bound to the earth by it. Um, and Aang and Momo light up at this point. There's this great shot where Momo's sitting on Aang's shoulder, and you can see both their eyes kind of get bigger as as they're listening like to at this. the same time. Yep. Yeah, and and at the end, uh, Aang says to Katara, "Aren't Airbender stories the best?" He says, I laugh at gravity all the time. <laughs> gravity. It's, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a very uh, Avatar The Last Airbender joke. Like, that's the kind of joke that they make uh, a lot, and it gets me every time. Oh, yeah. I really like it. It's just, like, silly. Like, pure silly humor. Right, right. Um, so the the storyteller comes around with his hat out asking for tips and just <laughs> says, just jingle, jingle. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, like, they, like, they know the routine. So Sokka goes into his uh, into his jacket to try to pull out to show what he has, and uh, I I uh, paused this, and he has what I think is some crumbs, yep, uh, or little pebbles, a thread of some sort, and then a dying cockroach <laughs> <laughs> on its back with its legs kicking around. It's like the the gang could use some money, could use some resources at this point if yes, that's all they, they got. Yes, they could. Uh, and maybe they shouldn't be uh, taking in the theater if, right. they, if they can't afford the it. The storyteller did call them like a freeloader or something. That's right. Uh, so uh, the storyteller walks away and he drops a coin from his hat and Momo picks it up and puts it back in the hat. And he, he he's not looking at this, but he hears it and he thinks Momo has has tipped him. Yeah, it's so cute. So he's like, much obliged, little bat thing. <laughs> Again, I don't look at Momo and think of a bat, though. I He's maybe a lemur, right? Yeah. Maybe the ears? Maybe, yeah. It's just like that wouldn't be that wouldn't be the thing that I would uh, right. that I would jump to. Um, and Anne goes up to him and says, "It means a lot to hear Airbender stories. It must have been a hundred years ago that your great grandpa met them." And the storyteller says, 
Great grandpappy saw the airwalkers last week. <laughs> we hear the great grandpappy. He's in the background mm-hmm. and he's like, like, right. like some noise and it's like okay can we trust this source i don't know <laughs> right but ang looks shocked by this and this opens the prospect that maybe there are airbenders left maybe he isn't the last one yeah yeah you know so so there is this kind of hope that he has at this point so then we see the gang riding on appa uh, over a mountainous snowy landscape and ang is excited uh to be approaching the northern air temple uh and it made me realize and this is obviously going to come out in this episode that Aang's been here before. Yeah. I mean, he's been to these other air temples. Aang has traveled the world, so he's going to yet another place that is familiar to him. Last time we did that with the Southern Air Temple, it mm. was real dark. Right. Um, I guess, yeah, when he woke up, the first thing he said was like, oh, I want to travel here and here and here. Like, he remembers so well all these different places he's been to. Exactly, right? So he's excited to see it. He said that's where they had the championships of the, of Sky Bison Polo. I would love to watch that. Yeah, yeah. Just because you'd see more Appas, right? Yeah, oh. And I want to know, like, is Appa big for a, a flying bison? Yeah, is, is it like a Clifford size? the Big Red Dog kind of thing? Or is, is are all of them that big? I would assume they're all, like pretty big but yeah. i don't know is maybe op was a little one we don't really know oh like we, we don't have a, a sense of that um so uh, katara says to Sokka, do you think we'll really find airbenders and Sokka, <laughs> very interestingly says you want me to be like you or totally honest <laughs> so he's already being brutally honest and katara says are you saying that i'm a liar Sokka says i'm saying you're an optimist same thing, basically. Right. So we're getting, like, cynical Sokka. But I will say this is not out of character for him. He says things how it is. Yeah, yeah. And and, and this sort of reminds me of, um, and this ep- this is, I think, maybe a foreshadowing, that this reminds me of the fortune teller version of Sokka, mm. where he's like, let's be realistic about things. Let's not, you know, get too... Uh, worked up about the the maybes and the fortunes and yeah. things like that. Didn't and, the folks in that village call him like the scientist yeah, or whatever too? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Ang sees the air temple and he sees gliders flying around it. And what's interesting is before anything else happens, we see Ang's face drop. He he sees it and is disappointed. Mm-hmm. And then we hear Katara say, "They really are airbenders." And Ang says, "They're not gliding, maybe, but not flying." You can tell by the way they move. They're not airbending. These people have no spirit. Now, this reminded me of last episode. Uh, Zhang Zhang, before we even meet him, he tells them through his intermediary that he can already tell that Aang is not mm-hmm. uh, an earthbender and Aang is not a waterbender. He can tell by the way he moves. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because Aang can tell by the way they're moving, this is not airbending. Right. So he, I mean... And he's really skilled at airbending. Right. So, like, is he a master level airbender? I'm assuming. He he has to be because there's no one to teach him airbending. Yeah. So, if if we say he's not, then he can't master it. Right. Right. True. So, like, I think we've already established he is a master airbender. Plus, I mean, have you seen him even... I mean, he's never been anything close to bested, even by the most powerful benders he's... Right. He's met. So, yeah, I would say he's a, he's achieved that level. He has that badge. Yeah. Um, right. So, so much so that he can tell these folks are not that. Right. So, but it is going back to like you can you can tell it when you see it, mm-hmm. which is which is kind of interesting. Um So, it's that interesting idea he says these people have no spirit. That's going to be a, a runner throughout the show. So, then a glider buzzes Appa 
um, and uh, we hear the the boy who does it laugh, mm-hmm. right? And Katara says, I don't know, Aang, that kid seemed pretty spirited. Yeah, he's like, um, do you think like Katara's age, maybe? Yeah, kind of in that range. He seems older than Aang. Younger than Sokka. Yeah, or he could be Sokka's age. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think of Katara and Sokka as radically different ages. That's true. You know, That's maybe true. a year or two. But definitely seems older than Aang. Um, so Katara says he seems pretty spirited. And we see that the glider is a chair with wheels and a control stick. So, I mean, it feels like an old biplane, except mm-hmm. it's only got the the one uh, the one wing above it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Aang grabs his glider and flies after him. And then we see other gliders around Appa. Uh, and they move like hang gliders. They look more like hang gliders. So they don't have the chair. So it seems like this own- this kid is the only one who has right. this kind of chair with the, the piloting stick. And there's like a dozen of them up in the sky just flying bunch. around. Yep. Yeah. And one of them buzzes Appa. And Katara and Sokka decide to land. Why are they picking on Appa? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this poor guy. Yeah, it's like there's plenty of space up there to fly. And he's also flying. I don't know. Yeah. Just, he gets buzzed twice. And then they're like, what's going on? Like these, I don't know. If they're, I mean, as we'll see, they're inhabiting this space, this air temple. Like, don't they know that what he is? Like, don't they know that he's like a descendant of? Right. That, like, why are right. they picking on him? Um. So Aang chases behind this laughing kid. And we see uh, that there's all these people at the temple watching. One of them yells, go, Teo, show that bald kid how it's done. <laughs> so they can see well enough that he is not one of them. Yeah. He's a bald monk. And nobody's like, hey, an airbender. We're at an airbender temple. Right. No one's like, hmm, bald, but blue arrow. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's odd how people sometimes don't do the math. Yeah. Now, granted, this is a little kid. So maybe that's uh, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, they fly together around the temple, trading kind of trading tricks back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ang says he can do more than just fancy gliding, so he lets go of the glider and like runs along the side wall of the temple. Then he rides an air ball. Then he his jumps. Favorite, yeah. His favorite trick. Yep. Then he jumps back onto the glider. Um, so Teo, this boy in the um, in the chair, says, "Well, I don't think I can do that, but here's a good one." And he sets off like a smoke bomb at the back of his glider and he starts to skywrite. Um, so we see that what he's doing at the skywriting is he's drawing a picture of Aang's face. And Aang looks not happy. <laughs> right. But we cut to Aang and it's exactly the face it's, that he's making. It's perfect. Right? Yeah. So he is not amused by this. Um, so Aang and Teo land at the temple. And we see that Teo doesn't just use the chair for flying because some people come and take the wings off of the chair. Mm-hmm. But we realize that this is just his way of getting around. Right. And uh, you pointed out something interesting as we were talking about this episode before. Right. One of the really cool things about this is we have this character who I can only assume is unable to walk. Right. Right. But they never mention it. No. It just sort of is. Yeah. And the kids don't say anything. It's not like we need to point out that. It's just how what that character is right and they don't they they never put in the scene where it's like oh you can't make it to where we're going or anything right. like that it, they just don't address it right and there's some areas like as we go like there's steps and things and i'm like oh i bet that would be hard but then they don't ever address it and he he does fine and he's actually like the tour guide and, and just very capable exactly and i like that they I like they could have very easily made him a very two dimensional character. Yeah, or a character that you're supposed to like uh, feel bad for. Right. Like I just sort of forget it. I don't notice yeah. it. You know, after you see that first, see it the first time. Um. So Teo approaches Aang, and he is super impressed. Even mm-hmm. if Aang is not amused, Teo's like, "Hey, 
you're a real airbender. You must be the Avatar. That's amazing. I've heard stories about you. So word of the Avatar has spread clearly to the other side of the world at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Teo's really excited. Right, and um, Sokka comes along as a, and is and so impressed by the glider chair. We're gonna see that Sokka's really into. We already know he's into science. He's mm -hmm. into uh, inventions as well. So he's kind of blown away by this chair. And Tail says, "You think that's good? Wait until you see the other things my dad designed." Mm -hmm. Right. So he's saying that his his dad designed this chair, but his dad has also designed and built other things. So at this moment, my uh, kind of uh, ancient Greek mythology ears pricked up, and I was like, okay, so this is a, an, an Icarus uh, Daedalus story. Mm. Are you familiar with Icarus and Daedalus? Um, is that the one where they fly up towards the sun? Yeah. So, so Daedalus is, this, is the master architect for King uh, Minos of, of Crete. Mm. And <laughs> I don't know how much of the story to get into, but, but um, uh, he's the architect, but he's also an inventor, a creator of things. Um, and one of the things that he famously creates for Minos is uh, the labyrinth at Crete where the Minotaur is kept. Mm. Um, and the Minotaur is this uh, monstrous half bull, half man that is the child of Minos's wife. Oh. Um, we can get into mythology. <laughs> we should do a mythology podcast. It's so it's so interesting. And actually, uh, important to where we're going to go with this story, um, the Minotaur is created in part by, um, with the help of Daedalus. He actually, okay, <laughs> kids listening, I'm sorry. He actually creates a, a artificial cow structure that oh. allows the... That allows Minus's wife to mate with this uh, mystical white bull. It's wow. There's a lot of backstory wow. here. Wow. Yeah. So so uh, he helps create this monster in that way, and then he then he's the architect of the labyrinth that houses it. Okay. Um. And then he's basic. So after he does this, Minus is is um worried that Daedalus knows both the secrets of the labyrinth, how to get out of it, how to navigate it. But he also knows the secrets of the Minotaur, where it came from, because the Minotaur mm. is actually part of, of Minus's shame, mm. because he was supposed to sacrifice this this white bull that he got from Poseidon, but instead he decides to keep it, and this is so this that's like the that's the problem, right? Sure. That, that that leads to all of this. So um, even though Daedalus is this great artisan who's creating these things for Minos, Minos is so worried about what Daedalus knows that he actually takes Daedalus and his son Icarus. And forces them to go into the labyrinth. So they're trapped in the labyrinth. And this is where Daedalus creates wings for himself and his son, and they fly out. Ah, okay. And then, but he warns Icarus, don't fly too close to the sun because the wings are made of wax. Yep. Icarus doesn't listen to this, flies too close to the sun, falls into the ocean, and drowns. Right. That's the only part of the story I knew. I didn't know anything about the labyrinth as right. well. So Daedalus is famous as the, like, the great. Uh, inventor, the great creator. And we're going to see that uh, Teo's father 
matches that to a T. Yeah. And there's going to be some other parts to his story that will come back. So I, the reason I told that story is because I want to keep referencing it back yeah. as we learn things about him. Do we ever learn Teo's dad's name? No. And it frustrated me as I was writing notes because I kept waiting for the name so I didn't have to write Teo's father, but I had to write it a lot. Right, He's right. A, a major character here. <laughs> so that with that aside, um, so when I saw that he created a way for his son to fly, I instantly was like, okay, this is there's going to be some kind of Daedalus Icarus uh, mm. story here uh, and maybe it won't play out entirely in this episode but but I think I have a feeling maybe we'll see see more of this mm. um, so they enter into the temple and it's filled with a network of tubes and gears and pipes and machinery steampunky very much so right and Sokka is in awe mm. right so we see a statue that's maybe an avatar I don't know it seems like a, it's a, there's a lot of statues this is a really big statue so I'm assuming this is an airbending avatar of uh, of some point and really any of the art we see in this temple it's like always obscured by machinery around it so it's hard to know what the original piece was right so we see this statue really covered with with machinery gears and tail said my dad is the mastermind behind this whole place everything is powered by hot air it even pumps hot air currents outside to give us lift when we're gliding. And at this point, we see an air-powered elevator go up. So it's like this, it's kind of a marvel, because this is a world where we have not really encountered a lot of technology. Right. The only thing we've seen are these coal-powered ships uh, that the Fire Navy has. We haven't seen much of technology beyond that. Mm. Um, but this episode is going to really introduce that. So Ang says, this place is unbelievable. And Tail says, yeah, it's great, isn't it? And Aang says, no, just unbelievable. Mm. Katara says, Aang used to come here a long time ago. I think he's a little shocked to see it so different. And Sokka says, so better. I like that Katara jumps in and she's really, she's good at picking up on Aang's sadness. Exactly. But Sokka, yeah. Sokka's like, no, this is awesome. Yeah, this this is this seems like the coolest thing that Sokka has ever seen. And Aang is Aang is really torn up by it. Right? So we see Aang and Katara kind of walk off and Aang is inspecting wall frescoes in the temple, which are punctured by pipes and tubes. And Aang says, This is supposed to be the history of my people. Katara, Katara tries to comfort him. Um, and Ang then walks up to this huge statue fountain that at first I couldn't tell what it was. And then I realized it's a giant bison. Mm-hmm. Um, and the water is green and polluted and dirty smoke is spewing from the bison statue, uh, which is, is like just images of like industrialization, right? Pollution, right. technology leading to pollution. It's unnatural. Uh, right. And Katara says, I'm sure that some parts of the temple are still the same. Mm. This reminded me of when they saw the forest fire in, oh, what was that? Which episode was that? The Oh, that's an, uh, Winter Solstice 1. Yeah. Uh, and Aang has like the heartbreak and he falls to his knees. It was, his reaction was really very much the same as seeing that too. It, like you said, it feels like unnatural. Right, right. And, and it sets up this uh, theme that's going to run throughout this. So as I was thinking about big themes, one of the big themes here is tradition versus progress. Mm. You know, kind of a scientific progress versus maybe the sacredness of the idea of a temple, right? You know, and, and so so the temple is getting repurposed as this industrial, you know, and, 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 and I feel like the fountain's really the only, like, pollution industrial thing we see, but but it's, it's important that it's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Katara says, I'm sure there's some parts of the temple that are the same. Uh, then we see Teo and the gang crossing a big bridge. 
and they're stand they end up standing in this circular courtyard with statues and kind of three stories overlooking the courtyard with tons and tons of doors so i'm assuming you know if this is a, a temple where there are monks this is probably the monks living quarters right. because there's it seems like there's all these tiny cells um, that are part of this uh, this round structure. So uh, Aang is looking at um, at a uh, at a statue and says, "It's nice to see at least one part of the temple isn't ruined." Uh, so they're looking at the statue of this seated monk, and all of a sudden we hear a voice yell out, "Look out!" And a wrecking ball blasts through the wall, uh, and we see that there are five. Figure as the dust settles from the wrecking ball, which takes out the wall that they're standing in front of, we see five figures there. And at the center is this guy with like a red monocle. He looks like a mad scientist. He does. He has like crazy hair, mm-hmm. eyebrows burnt off. Maybe a mad genius. Maybe. Maybe. Yep. Um, so we see him there and he says, uh, <laughs> he says, what the doodle? Don't you know enough to stay away from a construction site? I need you to start saying what the doodle. That's right. Uh, we have to make room for a bathhouse. And then we see Angry Ang. He says, don't you know what you did? You destroyed something sacred for a stupid bathhouse. The man says, well, people around here are starting to stink. And Ang says, this whole place stinks. And he airbends and destroys the, the whole wrecking ball rig. He throws it off the cliff. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, I don't know if we described like how high up this is, but they're on a peak of this like icy, icy mountain. Yeah. So it's like the Northern Air Temple where it's, yeah, mm. it's, it is above everything else. Yep. Yeah. It looks like it's in the clouds. Exactly. Um, so then we cut to a commercial break, right? So so we we and and I feel like the commercial breaks are becoming a bit more obvious now. Yeah. Um, as as the stories are, um, in some ways, as the stories are getting more dramatic, we're seeing the commercial breaks more because we're like, here's where we're going to leave them off and come back. Mm-hmm. So we see uh, we come back and Ang is they're still there. Ang says, "This is a sacred temple. You can't treat it this way." I've seen it when monks were here. I know what it's supposed to be like. Yeah. And I, I, and I think I like this story. I like, I mean, obviously we're obsessed with Avatar, but I like that the hero is displaced. Like he's a displaced person. And so we're seeing, he's coming back a hundred years later and he's realizing like how much has changed in that time. And it's not positive. And for me, like you were saying that this is tradition versus progress. Mm-hmm. And by the end, I think I'm still on the tradition side. I don't know. Like, we'll get there, but I don't know. I'm curious to hear what you think about it. Well, I mean, one of the things is that they don't make this easy answers. Yeah. And even even Teo's father, who we learned that this this man is, we're going to see for him it's still not easy, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So Teo says that this man is his dad. uh, And it says, Aang's the Avatar. He used to come here 100 years ago. And Aang asks why they're there. Like, why are all these people at this temple? Because when we went to the Southern Air Temple, it was just deserted. Yeah. Right? So why are they here? And then we see uh, the Tails father in a quite a theatrical performance as he tells this story. Um, much like the storyteller at the beginning of the episode. So, it's like, we, we come back to somebody now telling a tale. I, I love stuff like this. Mm. I'm, I'm a sucker for uh, when there's just a long monologue of somebody telling a story. <laughs> so, here's the story that he that he tells. He says, a long time ago, but not a hundred years, my people became refugees after a terrible flood. My infant son, Teo, was badly hurt and lost his mother. I needed somewhere to rebuild, and I stumbled across this place. I couldn't believe it. Everywhere, pictures of flying people, but empty. Nobody home. 
Then I came across these fan-like contraptions, the gliders, like Aang has. Uh, little light flying machines. They gave me an idea. Build a new life for my son in the air. Then everyone would be on equal ground, so to speak. We were just in the process of improving upon what's already here. And after all, isn't that what nature does? And at, the, at this point, we see we cut to the Aang gang, and Aang's in the middle listening. And Katara and Sokka are both, like, wiping away tears. Right. Right. They're clearly moved by this. Right. I mean, they lost their mom, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is yet another story of not exactly an orphan, but something like that. Somebody who's been whose life has been damaged, both losing a mother and losing the ability to walk by... Um, well, this is in, in this case by a natural disaster, right? But we're going to see that the Fire Nation's also going to be uh, pushing and involved in this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so Aang responds that nature knows when to stop, right? So he says, yes, nature adapts and changes, but nature knows when to stop. Uh, the man says, I suppose that's true. Unfortunately, progress has a way of getting away from us. So which is interesting because we're seeing already he's he is the figure of science and progress but we see him saying, maybe this, maybe it did get away from us. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're right, right? So he's not this sort of pure, uh, the march of progress type of person. But he's he's adapting and adapting and adapting. Uh, but then there is this moment where that Ang's pointing out where you need to turn around and say, well, what have we done through this adaptation, through yeah. this quote unquote progress? Yep. Uh, and all of a sudden he he's, he kind of interrupts himself and he says, look at the time, and we see these candle clocks that he's created. Yeah, they're like on a little stand kind mm-hmm. of to the side in the courtyard. Yeah, and Sokka asks about them, and the man explains how the spark powder in them helps him tell the time. So, like, uh, there are... there, And then we see, like, four, like, sparks, sparks kind of pop mm-hmm. off the candle. Uh, and he explains that this is uh, four o candle is what he calls this. And Sokka laughs so hard at that. Yes, and he's just enamored by this. So then the man tells Sokka about his uh, finger-safe knife sharpener. (laughs) Uh, So he's he's excited that someone's excited about his inventions. And he reveals his hand is missing three fingers and just has these, like, wooden replacements. Yeah, he, like, throws them at Sokka and he (laughs) grabs them. Right. Uh, And he says, it only took me three tries to get right. And uh, at this point in my notes, I just wrote, this is still a kid show, right? Like... Like this, it's just like this bizarre stuff keeps happening. And then he like, he's like, oh, let me show you some more stuff. And Sokka is like running behind to catch up. Like, yeah, he's in love with this guy. And I love this because in the fortune teller episode, we get introduced to this idea of Sokka, like into science, but it's, that seemed like out of nowhere a little bit. Yeah. And, but now this, this actually seems like a continuation of that. And we realize, well, Sokka didn't grow up in a world with, science and technology really uh and now he has an opportunity and he has a teacher you know we've spent all this time thinking about katara and ang and where they're gonna find teachers we haven't really thought about Sokka finding a teacher but maybe he's finding somebody who is a a kindred spirit Mm. so uh teo wants to show says he wants to show ang something so they go deep into the temple uh, Ang says, I can't believe it. There's not a single thing that's the same. Everywhere you look, you're still seeing the sort of pipes and machinery and gears and things like that. And Tail says, I don't know about that, but the uh, but the creatures that live here are probably direct descendants of the ones that lived a long time ago. 
and he picks up a hermit crab and gives it to Katara. You're right. These are the keepers of the temple's origins. And then she hands the crab to Aang. Which I was like, that's like when she gave the acorn in the forest right. to Aang as well. And then it, it like did bring him some comfort. I mean, we'll see that Aang is still skeptical, but you know, he he talks about it later on in the episode. Right, yeah, that, that this is something that, that's going to come back. And I'll just get to uh, a, a nit that I'm going to pick about this. is <laughs> I feel like maybe for time they had to cut out something here. Because they don't say anything about the hermit crab. He just picks it up, hands it to Katara. Katara makes the statement and hands it to Aang, and then we cut away. What do you know about hermit crabs? They carry their home with them? Mm-hmm. And what happens when they outgrow their home? It breaks apart, right? And, and they do what? They find a new one. They find a new one, right? So, so, so... This is they don't explain this here. Uh. They don't explain this hermit crab fact here and it's going to be used it's going to be like part of the revelation later in the episode. Yeah. So I feel like this felt like they ran out of time because when it comes back later it's going to feel like it comes out of nowhere. Right. Like he learned a lesson in the same way the acorn didn't feel that way. This one feels like Katara was supposed to say one more thing there. Right. I feel like it's a script flaw. Oh, that's really sad. I wish they could have put that in there. Yeah, but don't you, I mean, now that you, don't you feel that way? Like, like, yep. like it seems like there was one other piece of dialogue they were supposed to have. She was supposed to explain how hermit crabs adapt. Yeah. And, and it doesn't happen there. Absolutely. Like, you don't think a hermit crab is going to be something in an air temple anyway. So it's like a very conscious decision. Right, right. And, and you know, maybe the people on the show are thinking, well, kids know about hermit crabs. This is something they <laughs> study in school. But but in the moment, I didn't, I, it didn't land with me. And then when it comes back at the end, I was like, oh, yeah. So then when I rewatched it, I realized, yeah, they don't actually say anything. I thought I missed something. Mm. Um, and they just don't really uh, fully address it there. Uh but that's why we're here, that's to address right. it. That is right. Uh, so Teo says, besides, there's one part of the temple that hasn't changed at all. Uh, they now stand before a huge door with an airbending lock, like the one we saw in the temple sanctuary at the southern air I temple. think that was even in the preview of mm-hmm. the episode. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, so so it seems like these, these temples and, and sanctuaries have these special locks, because we also saw this in the the fire temple where he meets avatar roku there's a fire bending mm. lock right and this is a this is an air bending lock um so Teo's never been able to open it. he says only an airbender can open it so inside it's completely untouched just the way the monks left it i've always wondered what it was like in there do we have any idea of what it would be like in there well in the southern air temple that's where all the the avatar statues were oh that's right so like that was the that was the inner sanctuary of the temple so uh, presumably, and 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 in Roku's temple, like it's where the Roku statue is. Mm. Like presumably, this is like the, you know, to think about the Jewish temple. This is the holy of holies, right? right? This is the most sacred space. Yeah, because even in that air temple or in the fire temple, it wasn't just that a, a firebender can open it, but you needed a real master or five firebenders to open it, right? Like like these are deeply sacred spaces, right? So, you know, Teo's kind of like hinting like, Aang, you want to open this up? I've never seen this. And it's completely untouched. It's what you're looking for. And Aang says, I'm sorry. This is the last part of the temple that's as it was. And I want it to stay that way. Mm. And Teo says, I-, I understand. I just wanted you to know it was here. Right. Mm. So Teo, Teo understands. But 
Um, you know, and it makes me think like Aang was never in the sanctuary at the Southern Air Temple. He's probably never been in this room either to right. know what was there. But we can we can assume it is the most sacred space uh, there. So then we cut to Sokka and Tail's father um, walking with lamps down a dark cave-like passage, mm-hmm. right? And Sokka complains about the lanterns, right? They're not there's not that much light coming from them, and he opens it up and sees that they're lit by fireflies. He's like, "What? Like, why are you using fireflies? You, I mean, you're a scientist. <laughs> yeah, like, like you could do something, you know, like you could you use regular lanterns that would that would probably work better." And uh, Teo's father explains that fireflies are a non-flammable light source. And then they approach a sealed door, uh, and Teo's dad tells Sokka to cover his nose and mouth and hold his breath. Uh, and they look into this room that appears empty. Yeah, it's like one of those, it's like a, a prison door where it's just like you yep. can only see through a small slit. Right. It appears empty, but Tail's father explains that it's filled with natural gas. Mm. And uh, which is, the I think, a key to a lot of the stuff he's able to do at this, at this temple. But he says the problem, uh, there's a vital problem that needs solving. From time to time, we have gas leaks and they're nearly impossible to find. So Sokka says, so this whole place is an explosion waiting to happen, right? If there's this huge natural gas source and there's leaks, and he says, yeah, until I figure out how to locate something that I can't see, hear, smell, or touch. And like, uh, okay, so I get that he has made, they've built their home here, right? Mm -hmm. And they've like changed it and made it functional for everyone, for his son, like, but he's letting them live on something that could explode but it, well it's think about it this way it's it's not just it's not merely dangerous though mm. it's also the key to unlocking the power of that place in a dangerous way if it explodes but it, i presume it's also a key to, to the technology there right yeah because he he doesn't just have this thing sealed off i presume he uses that natural gas as well right. so it's like you know that would be like saying you're letting your children live in a a city that has a nuclear power plant? Well, yes, because that also powers the city, but it also is, you know, you also have this this dangerous aspect of that as well. Sure. I think that's how I, how I, I mean, I, I think it's, um, he seems like somebody who knows what he's doing and he's trying to solve the problem. So so the one problem left is how do we deal with sure. gas leaks? And, um, and, and, but then that, he says, that's the thing we need to figure out. Mm, I see, I see. So now we cut to back outside and we see Teo, Ang, and Katara, uh, and Teo is trying to teach Katara to fly, right? So he's she they're they're sort of up at the temple at a, at a high point, kind of right on the edge, you know. Uh, and she's holding a glider, uh, and Teo is saying, "The wind will carry you. It supports something inside you, something even lighter than air." And that something takes over when you fly. And then <laughs> Katara like looks down, and she's like unconvinced that she can do it she's right. like, i don't think i have that something right and tail says impossible everybody has it and ang jumps in now on tail's side and says spirit that's the something you're talking about mm. so katara doesn't want to do this but then we see her jump off with the glider and tail flies down after her so uh i i made a note here that this is really a a, a symbol of katara being brave yeah you know we we have these these traits we're seeing Sokka get into the science and technology which is pointing maybe towards wisdom we're seeing katara literally make this this leap of faith which takes a kind of bravery i mean mm-hmm. she i mean Teo knows how to fly ang knows how to fly 
it doesn't seem like this is how I would want to learn how to fly. It's like, just jump off this mountain cliff with this glider and trust us, this spirit will take over. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think spirit maybe could also just mean bravery too. Absolutely. Like to be an airbender, I think you have to be willing to throw yourself, <laughs> right? Into right. Right. Into scenarios like that. So we see that she figures out uh, that she figures out how to do it. And we see the three of them kind of flying around the temple. And Aang says to her, just make sure you keep your mouth closed so that you don't swallow a bug. Do you yeah. want to do you want to tell what we see next? Okay, so there's a lot of bugs in the air. Way, and... way too many bugs. <laughs> yeah, yes. And Momo is flying with them and he opens his mouth and he eats one of the bugs. So on purpose. So will you admit at this point that he is not a vegetarian? He just ate a live bug now. Yes. I will. I will. But it's just a lemur being a lemur. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I just want him to be me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I want to relate to that character. It's fine. It's fine. Um, All right. He's, yeah, he eats bugs. Yep. That's he, it. He That's does. the end. I will not talk about him being a vegetarian anymore. All right. I'm convinced. So Katara says, Teo was right about the air. All I had to do was trust it. Let the air carry me. Which made me think about this, right? That what is air? Air is something that is trusted, mm. right? Aang represents air, right? Aang is trusted, mm. right? So we're, we're just seeing the word trust not necessarily attached to Aang, but attached to Aang's element, right? And Aang is a master of air. So that oh, jumped out at me. This makes me want to go back and read what Zhang Zhang said about the different elements too, See, doesn't he, it? He doesn't talk about air uh. or, or rock, he only talks about water and fire. And that's why like, I wanted to see more of that yes. philosophy developed. I'm so curious. We'll get it at some point, right? I'm, I'm sure we will, right? Uh, so Aang says, even though Teo's not an airbender, he really does have the spirit of one. So we're seeing Aang, who initially was like, they don't have spirit. They don't have... He's like, no... Teo does like mm. like that 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 he so this actually reminds me this is an echo of ice dodging to a certain degree because ice dodging ends with Bato telling Aang you're now uh, an honorary member of the Water Tribe and this is sort of like Aang saying you're now an honorary Airbender absolutely and I I think part of the idea that he didn't want to open that te- that last temple room was like the people he's with are not air. Renders, right. right? Like they're not, that's not their sacred space. And we'll see, like, he's then willing later on to do that. And it's like, now we're all family together. Right, right. So we see this creation of, of family, this creation of tribe in a different in a different kind of way. No, I think that's really, I think that's really, really interesting. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so Aang's, uh, Aang lands by Teo and Aang says, I've been thinking, if you really want to see what's in that room, I'd be happy to open the door for you. And then we see Katara <laughs> flying by them saying, I don't know how to land. And then she, there's a great joke where she's like, as she yells this, she's like, oh, I, I just swallowed a bug. And <laughs> she's like, yep, that's a bug. Yep. <laughs> uh, so then we go to cut to the temple tower, kind of where Teo's father's office is. I, I, that's the best way I can think about it, right? Yeah. Where he's working on His stuff. lab. And uh, we see he and Sokka up there. And Sokka's looking at models for inventions. And he accidentally knocks a bunch of things over. Uh, And we see that he's holding a hot air balloon model with eggs in the basket. And the eggs have smiley faces drawn on them. Did you notice that? I did, yes. It was was Uh, quick. It's like a quick shot. Yes. Uh, And uh, the model, like, falls out of Sokka's hands. And we see the the egg roll away. 
And he and uh, Tails' father says, "Well, don't worry. That experiment is old, and that egg was just part of last week's lunch." And then they start to smell the stink of an old egg. And they st- they're like, "We need to find this egg yeah, yeah. and get rid of it." It's like this, yeah. So it's like this rotten egg smell. Um, so then we go to Ang and Katara and Teo at the lock door, and Aang, Aang starts to airbend the lock open. And we cut back to the tower, and Sokka and Teo's father are looking for the stinking egg. Sokka says, how can something that's so small you can't even see it make such a big stink? <laughs> and it's this is like the eureka moment uh, for, between them. It's actually... Both it's, of it, them. Yeah, it's, it's quite beautiful. Tails' father says, that's the solution to our problem. And Sokka and Tails' father talk through putting rotten eggs uh, into the natural gas cellar so that the, the smell of the eggs will kind of merge with the natural gas. And indicate if there's a leak or where the leak is. Yeah, so they'll be able to find the leak via smell. So it's a way to take something that doesn't have a smell and you know, and and, and give it something you can sense, which is exactly what natural gas companies do, right? Yeah. Natural gas actually doesn't have a smell, but they take that sulfur rotten egg smell and they, they put it in there for that very reason. And we, like, Sokka and uh, Teo's dad are, like, completing each, each other's sentences. Like, they're both on the same wavelength. Right. And then at this point, we see uh, that that they, they both say to each other, you're a genius, right? <laughs> uh, and then we see a bell that's attached to a line um, start to ring in uh, in the office. And Tails' father says, something's wrong. I've got to go. Mm. So we don't know what that something is. We don't know what's so alarming to him. Uh, then we cut back to Aang, Katara, and Teo as they walk into the sealed room, into the sanctuary room. And what they see is machinery and weapons gears and a huge hot air balloon with a fire nation insignia on it and ang says this is a nightmare and that's what's like that was what the alarm was so teo's father shows up yeah and tries to explain himself but yeah he says you don't uh he says you don't understand and ang says you're making weapons for the fire nation and so the the hot air balloon, the old experiment that Sokka found, it was just I a, mean yeah, a model for this weapon, right? Yep. Uh, and then we get another commercial break. So again, they're becoming more <laughs> more obvious. The the breaks are cutting into scenes at at these sort of peak moments. Mm. So then we see Teo uh, angry at his father and says, "Explain this now." And Teo's father says, "It was about a year after we moved here. Fire Nation soldiers found our settlement. You were too young to remember this, Teo." They were going to destroy everything, burn it to the ground. I pleaded with them. I begged them to spare us. They asked us what I had to offer. I offered my services. You must understand I did this for you. And then we see Teo turn his back on his father. Yeah. Now, this, I think, ties into the Daedalus story a little bit. If we if we want to say this that, that, that this is there, which we can or, or cannot if we mm-hmm. want. But uh, there's a sense to which Daedalus was trapped into his service to King Minus, right? Because of the things that he knew, right? So um, in the same way, he's sort of put into the the service of the, the Fire Nation. He's kind of trapped, right? Daedalus is trapped in a labyrinth mm-hmm. and... Um, and Teo's father is trapped in service to uh, in, ter- in service to the Fire Nation, right? In order to uh, in order to survive, and in order for his son to survive, right? You know, so so we can we can sort of see that there a little bit. Um, so Teo turns his back on his father. Then we see uh, Teo's father back in his office in the tower, uh, lighting a candle to make the balloon rise. So we so see it's that he's not still, an old experiment, right? He's still yeah. working on it. Uh, Teo comes in with Ang. 
and says, uh, when are they coming? Right? Because he knows you're Fire working Nation. for the Fire Nation. They're going to be coming at some point. Tails' father says, soon, very soon. I don't, uh, if I don't give them what they want, they will destroy this place. And Teo says, how can I be proud of you when your inventions are being used for murder? At which point I wrote in my notes, is this still a kid's show? Right. Like his dad is complicit in war crimes. Exactly. And, and like complicity, yeah, like being complicit doesn't just mean fighting, but like making weapons like, whoo. Right. That's that's still pretty harsh. Right. Let me add another Daedalus piece here because Daedalus doesn't just help to in some ways create the Minotaur and create the Labyrinth, but part of... Uh, the ritual for the labyrinth is that every nine years, the city of Athens gives seven boys and seven girls to be sent to be sacrificed to the Minotaur. Oh. So literally murdered, right? This thing that he helped to create is leading to the deaths of these 14 children every nine years. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So so <laughs> there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of darkness around that. So, uh, so then we see another bell start ringing. And Tails' father says, you need to leave. Go. And they won't. So he says, then hide quickly. And a trap door in the floor opens as Tao and Aang hide in the room. And we see a Fire Nation official, who we haven't met yet, um, kind of rise up through the elevator in the trap door. Mm. And he says, uh, give what you owe us and I'll be on my way. And then and it almost, I mean, it looks like Tao's dad is going to go through with it right like he starts directing him yeah out the door because together he, has, he doesn't see a way out right mm-hmm. uh but ang jumps in and says that there's not going to be a deal the deal's off and the fire official says if you if i don't get what i came for the fire nation will burn this place to rubble so ang slaps him with air i Which just cool <laughs> yeah I'm like good I, I, is it bad that i was like do it again right no <laughs> this, these are the bad guys so yeah uh and he says you're you're leaving empty-handed and the official says then dis- the destruction of this temple will be on your head and we have to picture him saying this to ang yeah right that this destruction's on your head you and so this goes back to this idea that ang also has the potential to leave destruction in his wake yeah uh, so Teo and the gang, so, so we, we cut away from that to Teo and the gang meeting on the temple bridge, um, you know, outside, uh, and Ang says, we have something they don't. We have air power. We control the sky. That's something the fire nation can't do. We can win. And Teo's father appears and says, I want to help. And Ang says, good, we'll need it. It's like the softest he's been towards Teo's dad so far. Yeah. Like he's willing to accept that apology. Yeah, and I think I think Aang witnesses like this is uh, this is somebody who's trying to carve out a life, right? But he collaborates. He's he's complicit in this, right? Mm-hmm. And this this also makes me think about. Um, I think this happens a lot, but this happens especially in in the Second World War, where you get these scientists who are pulled into mm. the service of these warring powers. So you have, you know, these German scientists making V2 rockets and things like this. And you have the Manhattan Project, right? right. That, the, that the U.S. takes all these theoretical physicists and things like this. And we take someone like Oppenheimer and basically is kind of compelled to create the most destructive thing that humanity's ever created, right? Yeah. And these are people who... Uh, didn't become scientists because they wanted to destroy lives and destroy the world, but they were pulled into it. Yeah, and yeah. that you can't 
really claim to be personally neutral if you're giving weapons or technology to the to some actions like these. Absolutely, yeah. right? So now we cut back to uh, to the office and Teo, his dad, the gang, and now a bunch of other people from the temple are in here. I feel like this office gets bigger or smaller <laughs> depending on, on what they need. Um, and Teo's father said, um, we finally got the war balloon working thanks to Sokka. This boy's a genius. So we're hearing this like wisdom stuff here, right? Yes. In my notes, I wrote that Sokka is like, he has the energy of that one kid that's in your class in like middle school that's way too smart, but then they act out because they're so smart and they're like not being challenged enough. And now we see him like actually in his element being challenged, having something that interests him. And he's like not making snide comments. He's not being rude or snarky. He's like, this is awesome. And like, I understand this. Let me teach you. Right. And he's getting to uh, sort of present to the class. Right. So Saka says, see, the problem with the old war balloon was that you couldn't, you could get it airborne, but once you did, it just kept going. You couldn't, you could put a hole in the top, but then the air would escape. So the question became, how do you keep a lid on hot air? <laughs> Normally, this is where Sokka would be the person making the joke. Instead, he's setting it up and Katara turns to Aang and is like, yeah, we could use a lid on this hot air. Sokka doesn't even notice the joke. Right. He says, but a lid is actually the answer. If you control the hot air, you control the war balloon. So then Sokka starts to describe the weapons that they have. Four kinds of bombs, smoke, slime, fire, and stink. <laughs> and this scene actually reminds me of... Uh, well, actually, ev- almost everything that goes on from here reminds me in some ways uh, of the, the Battle of Yavin in Star Wars, right? At the In episode four, A New Hope, at the end when they do the raid on the Death Star. And oh, like, yeah. So this is like, okay, now this is the, the this scene where they're all meeting like in the the control room and they're talking about like, okay, here's the plan. We're going to do this. We're going to, and Sokka's like the person laying out the, here's the strategy. Here's the weapons we have. You know, it makes me think of that. Um and then, um, out, we, then we cut to outside the temple and we see all the gliders taking off. And that looks like people... The, the fighter jets. Yeah, leaving the base in the X-wings, right? Like this, Oh, this X-wings? Has, Is it yeah. fighter jets? Is that the same thing? Uh, they're not really jets okay. in Star Wars. <laughs> they're X-wing fighters. I'm but... trying. I'm trying. But yeah, because then the, you do like get the individuals flying just like they're in the cockpit looking at the, yep. the different... Yeah, but but what are they called? I don't, <laughs> X-wings. Yeah, yeah, but but it is. I mean, this it's in that 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 scene is really just all kinds of war movies with fighter jets. So yeah, you're yeah. right. I mean, you, you see, this is like the 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 takeoff deck as they're going, and mm-hmm. you see people cheering as they go off, and yeah, it's it's like an oddly like patriotic's probably not the right word, <laughs> but it sort of has that uh, has that feel. Mm. So now we see the uh, fire soldiers are climbing up switchbacks to get up to the mountain that the temple is on. Uh, and the gliders dive bomb the fire soldiers with hand, hand throwing slime bombs, fire bombs, smoke bombs. We don't actually see the stink bombs at any point. Yeah. Which is funny. This is another moment where like they make this big uh, point to say, like, don't underestimate stink. And now we're going to see where that comes back, but we don't actually see stink bombs being used. Yeah. So maybe uh, something was cut out. I wonder. I like. I wonder if this was if they just like overwrote the episode and they needed to get it down because it feels like we should have had one scene where because we definitely see slime bombs, we definitely see smoke bombs, we definitely see fire bombs, but I don't. I don't remember seeing stink anywhere here. Um, and we see Ang airbend uh, an avalanche of snow over just like the tribe straight up killing people on the mountain yeah like, like, like this is a steep mountain right and 
and yeah, and it's interesting because we don't think about Aang. We think about Aang as like trying to be as pacifist as possible. But in a moment like this, like he takes out hundreds of Fire Nation troops in a, in an avalanche on the side of a mountain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like I mean, I'm. I think, and I, I've said this in past episodes. I think we just need to embrace that people die in this show. Like there's yeah. there are there are Fire Nation folks who who we watch die in this. <laughs> um, and we see uh, Katara and Momo are on Appa, kind of floating up above the clouds. And the gliders come back up to them to to get more bombs, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's like their supply line. Um, so we see this is actually like a really well laid out, uh, well well laid out. I'm plan. assuming Sokka's plan through and through, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, he, I think he is the the strategist here. Um, and you know, it seems like they are successful in taking out those troops, but then we see these grappling hooks start to fire up the cliff, and they're being used to pull up. These like Fire Nation tanks with spiked wheels. Mm-hmm. Um, now these tanks look a lot like the uh, Batmobile from Christopher Nolan's Batman. Movies, I agree. Batman Begins. So interesting. I was curious about like which came first. Um, oh. So Batman Begins comes out on uh, June fifteenth, two thousand five. Okay. This episode airs November fourth, two thousand five. But an animated show takes a while to make. Mm-hmm. But so then I was curious, the trailer, the first trailer for Batman Begins came out August 8th, 2004. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering if they saw the Batmobile, the like Bat Tumblr car and we're like, yeah, we're going to do something like that. Because we'll see, they even sort of act like the Tumblr. They do, yes. I, yeah, it looks exactly like it. Yeah, huh. yeah. They probably borrowed it. So uh, so we see these tanks coming up, and the gliders are really unable to stop the tanks. So, like, the gliders can fight against the troops, but they're, they're no match for these tanks. So we see the tanks reach the top and start rolling to the temple. And they're, they start shooting fire, and we realize they're shooting fire because there are firebenders inside, basically shooting fire through windows. Uh-huh. So I thought it was interesting. Like, the tanks themselves aren't weapons they're per just se. tanks yeah they're, but they they protect the firebender inside who's uh who's shooting fire um and uh ang is is trying to to stop them because like the 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 bombs really aren't doing anything to them either the handheld bombs just aren't enough right, right. so we see ang get down and start to like air bend them away but there's too many there's far too many. And even when he like throws them and they flip over, this is where we see the sort of tumbler car part. It's like they just kind of like reorient themselves yes. and keep going. These are amazing machines. Yep. These are some of the coolest machines that I that we've seen in the show uh by far. If the Fire Nation had these, why are they why have they not utilized them in other places? Man, yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean it sort of reminds me of the introdu- introduction of the tank in World War One where it just was like this changes things. It's just, yeah, this 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 machine really feels like like a game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see Katara and Teo are flying side by side. Katara and Appa. Yep. Uh, and Katara says, or Katara says, those things are unstoppable. And Teo says, I think I know how they work. I remember my dad tinkering with a counterbalancing system, something to do with water. Works great, huh? And so his dad. Oh yeah. Like he. He made this, yep. right, he and sold it to did. the Fire Nation, or not sold it, but you know, well, he for did. his he for did. his safety. He did. He traded safety for for this, right? So I, he definitely designed these things. So so he's also fighting against his own creations. Yeah, too. he designed the things that they're attacking them mm-hmm. with, which makes me think of 
Uh, if we go back to earlier in this episode, Angs says that nature knows when to stop, and his mm. father and Tao's father says, "Yeah, and sometimes progress like gets out of our hands." Yeah, and this is maybe an example of that, right? That we're seeing when you end up battling your own technology, that means maybe the technology you've created. Uh, what you've put out into the world has gotten out of your hands. So Katara hears this thing that the counterbalancing system has something to do with water. And she says, water, can you get me close to one of those? Right. So somehow water is involved with these. Um, so we see that the tanks are closing in on Aang and Katara tro- drops down next to him. Uh, she starts water bending. Did you like water bending moves? And she freezes ice with her breath and like just breaks one of the tanks. It's really dope. Yeah. And... Um, and then she ends up like picking up another one and breaking it, uh, but they just keep coming. Now, what's interesting? Again, I feel like this is maybe they ran out of time. They had too many ideas. Yeah. Because Teo says, "Oh, they have this counterbalancing system that's based on water," but then what she does doesn't seem to have anything to do with that. She just like uses ice to break them. Now it may, but they don't show us. Right. You know, like I wanted to see her like pull water like out of a counterbalancing system and like crack right. the thing. But Instead, they don't do it. She's like freezing it from the inside maybe, but But she's really pulling the water out of the snow and like That's true. Whatever she's doing, if it is something they don't show it. Right. And I and I feel like they had this cool idea, but there were too many cool ideas and they didn't get it down there. I, I feel bad because I really like this episode, but there, I feel like there's a lot of nits, uh, nits to pick here. You just want it to be longer. I do. Like, honestly, I think if they had like 10 more minutes, they they could have done, they could have executed all of these ideas. Um, so again, the tanks keep coming. So Appa flies down to save them. We see that our heroes are out of bombs. Uh, Katara says, come on, Sokka, where is the war balloon? And suddenly behind her, we see the war balloon rising up uh, with the big Fire Nation insignia on it. And the Fire Nation soldiers aren't shooting at the balloon because of that. They think maybe this is theirs, which is sort of weird. You think like they would know what their forces look like. Right. And like presumably they haven't seen war balloons like that before. So I don't know. Maybe they're like, oh, it's a new. Yeah. And and maybe, you know, and these are just troops on the ground. Maybe they're not thinking that maybe they're not always aware of everything right. uh, that could be around them. Uh, but we see that uh, Sokka starts dropping these huge bags of slime bombs onto the tanks to sort of gum up the works. Mm-hmm. But again, more tanks just keep coming and they realize that they are also out of bombs. So they're just like, they don't have the firepower to fight this force. And at this point, Tails' father smells rotten eggs. And he just says like, oh, oh it's that smell again but he does it doesn't click for him but it clicks for Sokka right and they realize that uh they can Sokka can tell where the natural gas is escaping from in the mountain um and so Sokka just jumps into action without even explaining what he's doing at first and he takes the like what is the engine fuel tank of the war balloon and is trying to like tear it off of the balloon itself um to throw it and and Mm -hmm. you know at first Teo's father's like that's our only fuel source and Sokka says, well, that's the only bomb we have left. Right. Right. And he helps them and they throw it down into this gulch where the smell is coming from. Um, and we see it sets off this kind of chain reaction of explosions that end. And this is where I go back to Yavin. That looks the final big explosion looks like the Death Star exploding. Mm. Like it's the like kind of circular cloud and then like the line that bursts through it. Right, right. Right. So it's this huge explosion that blows the Fire Nation away. 
Um, but the balloon is going down now because it has no fuel, right? So it's it's slowly moving hot, losing hot air. Um, so it's moving down, and Sokka calls out for help. So we see Aang fly down and save them. Sokka hooks onto Aang, and Aang flies them to safety as the balloon continues to drift down. Mm-hmm. So now we have them back in the temple after the battle. Everybody's celebratory. It's a big party. Yeah, again, like the end of A New Hope, you know, to oh, a certain yeah. degree. It's like, we made it, right? Um, uh, Aang says, you know what? I'm really glad you guys are here now. I realize that it's like the hermit crab. Maybe you weren't born here, but you found this empty shell and made it your home. And now you protect each other. Again, yeah. doesn't it feel like they were supposed to give us that hermit crab fact earlier? Yeah. Because it is. I mean, that is what hermit crabs do, but they're assuming kids know that. I'm so, glad they kept it in. I'm yeah. glad they kept what they kept. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it helps explain it. But but it was like the acorn without the line of Katara saying, this is all going to grow back someday. Right. right? Um, so Teo says, that means a lot coming from you. Right? That that Because he's like... Aang's the only person really who has the right to say you're welcome to stay here. Right. That's his customs, his tradition that they were right. changing. So Sokka says, Aang, you were right about air power. As long as we've got the skies, we have the Fire Nation on the run and everybody starts cheering. But Teo's dad, they show his face and he's like downcast because mm-hmm. he knows. He's like, Mm-mm, this is just the start. They have the balloon, right? Or they know about that right, now. right. They know that that's operational. Uh, so then we cut to the Fire Nation soldiers in the forest below finding the wreck of the balloon. And we see the fire leader say, this defeat is the gateway to many victories. Mm. And uh, and that's where the episode ends. Which is interesting because this is one of the first times that we see the episode end uh, without resolution. Yeah. Right? Like so, So this really has that feeling of... Um, and I think maybe that the show has reached a point now where they're like, we don't need to worry about wrapping everything up. We can actually end with this dark note instead that like this powerful weapon is now in our hands. Right. Now, I would argue these tanks seem way more powerful than this <laughs> particular weapon, but it does give them access to the skies, mm-hmm. you know, and that that had been the thing that 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 uh, that Aang and Sokka and Katara thought that they owned. Yeah. Yep. Um, so as you think about this, what, uh, what big, what big themes do you see coming out of this? This episode pairs really well with the next one because it's talking, part of it is talking about culture and preserving culture. And you see the Aang gang respond one way in this episode and then a very different way in the next episode, which we won't get into yet. But, um, in this one, Aang is worried about preserving, but then in the next one, he wants to combat a cultural difference. Right? right. Which is, which is, I think a brilliant thing that this show does is it sets up this tradition versus progress. And I really do think it situates you in one place in this episode. And then it's like, okay, you, cause you even said before, like, I think I'm on the side of tradition, but, it, and, and I was going to, I'm going to say, when we get to the next one, are you still going to be on the side of tradition? Right. Or are you going to be on the side of progress and change? So, right. It's like you have to approach it with nuance. Right. And it's, it's not just one or the other. Right. I think other things uh, that I see out of this is that we see the real introduction of technology into this world. Other than the Fire Navy ships, we haven't really seen technology. But now we realize and we realize how powerful it is. Like, again, I think those tanks are borderline unstoppable. Mm. I mean, they needed they needed a miraculous mountain made of natural gas to uh, to save them. Yeah. One. I mean, it also gives some sense for like 
how people can be so suppressed by the Fire Nation for 100 years. It's like they, they're clearly more advanced um, technologically anyway. Right. We see we also see Sokka as scientist. And yeah. I'm just curious, like, are is this now his trajectory going forward? Are mm-hmm. we going to see him as somebody who's tinkering with machines, who's developing technology? Because it's his introduction to it, not just our introduction to it in the world, but it's really his introduction to it. Yeah. Um, which also makes me wonder about Teo and his father. Like, we have more new allies now, mm-hmm. right? And these seem like people... I have to imagine we're not going to this is not going to be the last we see of them right um which makes me think about what new technologies tales father will bring um are we going to see this sort of air power battle are we going to see that and are we going to see teo fly too close to the sun again we don't see that part of the icarus story here but i i would be really curious to see that now again this show maybe doesn't want to go that dark but like but i'm curious to see because i think that's the seeds are planted for uh, for them to return for sure. And I'm, I'm just curious to see how far they go with that. Mm. Um, and then obviously we end with the war balloon in the hands of the enemy. Right. Uh, and we know we know where this is going to be headed. Right. So so now we have them in the in the air them in the skies as well. Uh, yeah. I loved this episode. It's really good. I thought it was I thought it was really, really good. Um, we hope that you're enjoying Avatar with Academics. We want to remind you that uh, we have our website, avatarwithacademics.wordpress.com. You can get connected uh, to that by just going to that site or even in the show description to uh, to this episode. There's a link to it right there as well. So check that out if you want to find back episodes, um, things like that. If you want like to that. interact with us, comment or... Yeah, leave yep. comments. Uh, you can always email us at uh, channel3900 at gmail.com. And we will be back... Right away in the feed with our next episode. The Waterbending Master.